Thanks, Jess. Appreciate it, buddy. Good morning. Happy autumn. Yesterday, Janie said to me, uh, it's soup season. And I said, soup season? She's like, yeah, I start making soup this time of year. I'm like, all right, it is soup season. I like that. So uh, I'm thankful for the change in seasons. I, I complain about the winter sometimes, but often I'm thankful for it, that it changes every few months. Otherwise, I'd get bored of the same thing all the time. So I'm glad it changes. How are we this morning? If you have a Bible with you, which means if you have a phone or an iPad or anything but a flip phone, you probably can open your Bible to James chapter 1. I feel like maybe we should do some calisthenics or something this morning. Get our blood flowing, huh? Uh, Before I get into it, I I do want to welcome home Jared Quigley, who's been serving over in Iraq for about a year. And congratulations, thanks for your service, and congratulations to you and Aaliyah on that beautiful baby boy while you were gone. He was able to come home briefly for that, so I appreciate it. Uh, We are kicking off 40 Days in the Word, like Jason said. It's a series that's connected to our small groups that we're doing. We're going to have messages on Sunday. Um, It's so important that we learn to spend time in the Word, and what I want to start talking to you about today is answering that question, how do I build my life on the Word of God? We're talking about wanting the Word in us and, and um, uh, to lead us and the foundation we build on all those things. How do I do that? Kylie, would you, I'm not sure where we're at on the slides, but would you, I think we're, there you go. Okay, we'll do that. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 ends with this particular story. And we've looked at this a little bit in recent weeks uh, when we've been talking about the Word of God. And it's a very important passage where Jesus is speaking, he's been speaking for a while. It's one of the most famous uh, passages or uh, parts of Scripture. And then towards the end, he tells this story. He said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Jesus is not talking about a literal house here, but he says people that hear these words and do them, their life is like a house, and they're building it on something. What are they building it on? He goes on to the next half to say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. We want to be a people who knows the Word of God. We want to hear it and we want to put it into action in our lives so that our lives are like that house that's built on solid rock because we know that the winds and the rains and the floods, they come in life and they beat on our lives and sometimes they knock over our house and we want to be a people who is built on the rock. That's the life I want and I think it's the life all of us would want a life that's able to withstand those things. In James chapter 1, if you go to, uh, let's see, where am I at? Verse 20, 19. We'll begin in verse 19. What's your little heading at the top of there say? 
Hearing and doing the Word, something like that. You know, these headings aren't in the original text, just so you know. Those are added so that you can find your way around the different portions of Scripture. Uh, But this is talking about the Word of God. And James has a number of encouragements for us today. And so we're going to look at five different things that maybe will help us understand how do we build our lives on the Word of God. And I want to begin by looking at verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive it with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I want to talk about the first thing we have to do with the Word of God is we have to receive it. We have to receive it. And we receive it through our ears. We hear it and we accept it. And this idea of receiving is much more than um, uh, just you know, hearing it and letting the input go into our brains and plug us with information. You know, in Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 17 says this, Consequently, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. When the Word of God comes in our life, faith becomes alive. Our belief activates. You know, we can just believe in any random thing we want for whatever reason we want, but when the Word of God comes and reinforces our belief or tells us what to believe, we have something solid to stand on in our faith. So when we read in the Word of God that there is healing for His people, all of a sudden my faith grows for healing. I have reason to believe that's true now. It's not just some random wishful thinking. I've gotten the Word of God Himself that activates my faith. And of course we know this begins with salvation. When someone who has not given their life to God or isn't sure about their relationship with God, they hear the Word of God and go, oh, I can believe. I can get to eternal life. I can have a restored relationship with God because His Word tells me that I can have that. And His Word tells us lots of other things as well. And those things build our faith and activate us. So when the Word comes and we hear it, we go, I hear something. It's true and it activates my faith. We need to be able to hear the Word of God. We, we read about salvation. We read about forgiveness. We read about restored relationships. We read wisdom into our life choices, and all those things come from the Word of God when we hear it. And a number of these things, I'm going to talk about five different things today, but a number of the things that I talk about here in the first uh, one here in, in the idea of receiving it are, is applicable to all other five points. That word receive that Paul uses there it's a, the root word, if you're into Strong's and things like that, is the word dekomai. A, a version of this word is used here for receive. And the word receive is, is actually it's a hospitality word. It's a, it's a word that really means to welcome warmly. So when the word of God comes, our hearts need to be prepared to welcome warmly, to humbly accept, to receive with meekness the word of God. Decomai, to receive it warmly. We see it in other parts of the scripture, just in some simple parts. We, there's a passage in Colossians where Paul's simply encouraging the group of people, welcome or receive my friend who Barnabas is cut, Mark, Barnabas' cousin who might have the chance to be with you, receive him. What's he saying? Welcome warmly. Have an open heart too. Are we open to hear the word of God? 
It's an interesting word as well. It's the only, when it comes to the armor of God, it's the only time this word is used in the armor of God. It talks about taking up these different pieces of armor. But in this particular one, it says to receive or take the helmet of salvation. We receive that salvation from God, and therefore we can take up everything else when it comes to the armor of God. Just a side note, something to think about, about that idea of we need to receive the word into our hearts. Here he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. We can't hear when we're talking. Has your significant other ever mentioned that to you? I don't know, I wasn't listening. You can't hear when you're talking. Even in your prayer life, a lot of our prayer life should be quietly listening for what God is instructing us in. What is he saying to us? And we pray to God and we ask for things and we speak things to God, but part of our prayer life should also be quieting ourselves and going, what is the Spirit leading me in? What's God trying to show me or teach me in his word? We have to be quiet. You can't get into a situation where you're, you know, many of you maybe felt this this morning, like, I mean, how many of you are even willing to admit, we had a little bit of a rough morning trying to get to church today. Nobody? Come on. I'm just teasing. Well, you with families, I see you guys out here with a bunch of little kids. I know what that's like. In fact, we post, posted a joke online the other day about how it took 14 hours for one family to get ready for church on our Facebook, if you saw that. And that sometimes is true for us, isn't it? There's chaos. There's difficulty in life. Our emotions get heightened. Our mind starts racing. We're talking a lot. We come into the parking lot at church, skid sideways into our parking spot, and we run inside and go, okay, God, I'm ready to listen. No, you're not. It's too noisy. We don't hear God. We don't receive from his word when we're occupied with other things. When our emotions are up and our mind is racing, we don't hear what God is trying to say through his word. We must be quiet. We must be calm, not angry. You know, what happens when we get angry? We can't think of anything else. We get defensive. We wreck, you know, anger at its root level is, you know, it's just a response to injustice. And in some ways that, you know, in its inception is okay, but the righteousness of man, uh, which comes from anger, is not, doesn't line up with God's righteousness. I, I, every time someone says righteous indignation, I get suspicious. Our emotions cause a spiritual static when the circumstances of life are just pounding on us and it's so loud. I can't receive the word of God with my ears. I'm not paying any attention. Some of you will go out of here today and hardly hear a word I said because your mind is racing in something else. If we want to receive the word of God, we've got to prepare ourselves to receive it, to hear it, if we want it to go into us. In verse 21 there it says, implanted, the implanted word that's in us. How many of you gardened this year? How many of you had a garden? Not very many of you. I'm surprised. I didn't have a garden this year either. I'm a retired gardener. You know, when you garden, you've got to do things like prepare the dirt, right? You've got to get it ready to go. Out where I live, um, we have these pests called deer. And uh, besides fighting with the pine needles and the rocks, there are deer. In fact, these deer are basically like pets. I won't be surprised if one of these days I look out my front window and see one of my kids riding one. 
The other day I went out in my front yard. They're eating my shrubs out in front of my house, and I'll go out and shoo them out. And there was a doe out there eating on it, and I walked up to her. You know, and usually deer are kind of skittish, right? But pretty soon I'm about as far away from her as I am from this pulpit. And she's just looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, you're eating my shrubs. Yeah, they're yummy. I mean, I seriously could have hit the deer with my hand. She's like, thanks for sharing. I'm like, no, I'm not sharing. Get out of here. So I had to shoo her out of there. I can't grow a garden where I'm at. I'd have to prepare everything. I'd have to build like a fortress in order to grow anything. But, you know, and I've talked about this in the past. What do we, we, we need to fertilize the soil. We need to till it up. We need to get everything ready. We have to have water. We have to have all the components there for a seed to grow. You know, I could just go out in my yard and throw seeds around, and I might get something sprouting up somewhere, maybe, and it might grow better in one spot than another if I do nothing about it. And we have the parable of the sower that Jesus talks about the seeds of the gospel landing on different types of soil. And sometimes it gets choked out by the weeds or trampled on by passersby. Things like that. But there is one where the seed, that Word of God goes in and it can take root in some fertile soil. And so we've got to be preparing ourselves to receive the Word of God. You know, you know what, you know what uh, fertilizer is made of, right? Don't make me get descriptive, okay? And a lot of us have a lot of that in our lives, don't we? That's happened to us. You picking up what I'm putting down? What do we do with it? I mean, if you just take that manure and you scatter it all over the top of the garden and you leave it there, it just sits there and stinks, doesn't it? You got to get it into the dirt. It's got to decompose. We got to do that with the stuff in our lives, the, the, the circumstances that have come along that haven't been good. We can turn those things into something healthy in our lives. As long as we take the time and the effort and the diligence to recycle those things, till them into the dirt, let them be something in our lives that actually causes us to grow, not something that just sits there and stinks. We've got to think about those things when we're considering the condition of the garden of our souls, where the Word of God should be coming in on a regular basis and finding places to land and grow something fruitful in our lives. Of course, the Word says to humbly accept to humbly accept. It's the opposite of pride. God, you speak to me, and I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do anything about it. That's not humility, but we do that. I'll read your word, and if I feel like it, I'll obey. But I'm still God. I'm still on the throne. I still decide. And yet God is calling us to submit to him and be humble, to receive it with meekness. We don't like that word meekness sometimes, do we? I don't want to be meek. I want to be tough. God says, be meek and accept this word that he brings into our lives. We have weeds too, don't we? Of course, the parable of the sower talks about weeds choking out the seed of the gospel that comes into our lives. Sometimes when we go out to our garden and we see them all growing there. What do we got to do? We got to pluck those things out of our lives. We got to prepare that soil. Last time I preached, I shared a saying with you. I said, don't hear what I'm not saying. Okay, I think a lot of times we get this idea that if I've got junk in my life, that filthiness that it says to put away, put away all filthiness. 
If I want to be prepared to hear from God, if I want to receive what he's trying to tell me, I've got to put these things off to the side. And sometimes we get into the situation where we think we have to get ourselves perfect before we can go to God. But actually God is inviting you to come to him with all that stuff and help you sort it out. Help you weed the garden. Help you till the soil. Help you deal with the issues and the circumstances in your life. That word filthiness means exactly what it says. Things that are dirty. Things that are not good for you. Things like your earwax. Gross. Sometimes our ears are plugged with spiritual earwax. We've been feeding ourselves with filthiness, sinfulness, things that aren't of God. Whether it's, you know, jealousy or anger or focused on other things and all this static comes into our lives and we can't hear because we plugged our ears with dirt but James encourages put away all filthiness remove these things from your life and we come to God how do we do that though how do we do that we we have to confess we have to be transparent about these things in our life that are blocking the voice of God or keeping us from really accepting and tending to and growing this garden of our lives or building this house of our lives on the rock we've got to weed those things so we've got to confess to God what does it mean to confess really ultimately it is just this God you are right and I'm wrong coming to God and going God Okay, I'm out of alignment here. Forgive me. Help me. And God starts pulling. He starts removing those sins from us. As far as the east is from the west, it says. If we want a clean slate, if we want our ears unplugged, we've got to be pulling those weeds out. How do we do that? We confess. We come to God. We ask for forgiveness. And we start to clear the air of the relationship between us, us and God so that we can hear his word. We need to receive his word. Another thing we need to do, point number two, we need to read his word. <clears throat> Not just hear it. Okay, 95% of what I say today, you will have completely forgotten in 72 hours. Some of you have already forgotten everything I've said so far. You'll walk out the door, you'll get in your car, you'll go to lunch, and by Wednesday, someone will say, what was the message on Sunday? And you'll be like, I don't know, something about deer. You'll only remember 5% of what is said, right? So that's why I'm going to preach this message 20 times in a row because mathematically you'll get the whole thing after 20 times. Sound like fun? No, I'm not going to do it. I should be pretty good at it after 20 times though. We We don't remember everything that we hear. It goes in one ear and out the other as we say. And hopefully a little bit gets caught in the middle. But we remember way more of what we read when we take the time to read it. Jesus said a number of times, I think I was just goofing around looking through the scriptures to see how many I could find, and I found at least seven, I think. Seven different times that Jesus said, and it's also elsewhere in the passages where they're coming in with questions like, what do we do about this situation or that situation? What about divorce? And what about your disciples eating these heads of grain and things like that? And Jesus always responds, he says, Haven't you read? I don't know, have I? You know, when circumstances in life come along, you're not going to remember a message I preached one time. And you're not going to be able to just regurgitate that as an answer to your problems or whatever situation you find yourself. You've got to read it yourself so that you can remember and other things that we'll talk about in a little bit. God's Word. Have you never read? When we go back to James... 
Chapter 22, it says, but be doers of, or I'm sorry, ver, chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he looks like. Oftentimes, the scripture has been compared to a mirror. What do we do with a mirror? What did you do with a mirror this morning? Looks like most of you probably did. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? And those of you that didn't, you probably should have. It's a reflection of ourselves. We look at ourselves. What do I look like? You know, and sometimes we glance in the mirror. It, it, you know, a lot of times on Sunday morning, you can tell that I just glanced in the mirror, ran my fingers through my hair really quick, and bolted out the door. My wife, on the other hand, I don't even know, you know, when, when she uses tools and products and colors and like sticks and liners and powders and exfoliating stuff that I don't even know what it is. Why? She's looking at her reflection in the mirror and she's working on that and applying things. The Word of God is like that. We, we look at ourselves and we go, well, I need to do something with this. <laughs> We see, we see ourselves, we, look, we see our soul when we read the Word of God, and it's like we're looking in a reflection and we're going, wow, I, I need to work on some things here. It's showing something about who I am. But this particular passage says the one that isn't doing anything, he just immediately forgets what he was looking at. We want to read the Word of God, look into it with our own eyes. And it goes on with this promise. But the one who looks into, looks into the perfect law of uh, the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if we want to be on this road of blessing, built on this rock, all these things that we're talking about this morning, we've got to look into the word, actually read it. Take time to read it. So we've got to receive it when someone's talking about it or when we're hearing the word, we need to read it ourselves. So when something comes our way and Jesus says, have you not read? Have you not read? Like we, we can read, let's do it. Let's be able to answer those questions when the challenges of life come our way. We need to receive it with our ears. We need to read it with our eyes. That idea perseveres. The one who perseveres, they continue in it. We don't just read it once in a blue moon and expect that to really do something for us. And it needs to be part of our steady diet. That idea of persevering in it. The one who's looking in and then eventually persevering. It, some of your translations will say continuing. There's an ongoing thing here when we're looking at the Word of God. There's an ongoing process. We should be reading it on a regular basis. Sowing those seeds into our lives. This one might be my favorite, my third point. We need to research it. We receive it. We need to read it. We need to research it. What does it mean to research? Well, that's part of the reason we're doing small groups. You know, you're going you're to have a workbook where we're doing 40 days in the Word, and you read something, and you write something. And when you write something down, how many of you tried to get through college without taking notes? And how many of you didn't get through college? 
right? When we're studying something, we've got to take notes. When we write it down, we remember. We discuss it. We sit down with our classmates and we discuss and we study together so we're bouncing things off each other so it gets into us what it is that we're trying to learn. We are made for community. We are not made to be independent. And so when we, we're processing the Word of God together, we're researching it. And, you know, we're so fortunate that we live in a society that's highly educated and with the technology that we have, you can look up almost anything you want and you can get a variety of views so we, we want to dig in with our hands and with, with our mouths and our communication. We want to check out all the information that's out there. We want to Google search stuff. And then we want to engage with others so that we can, we're not just hearing somebody talk about it. We're not just hearing JR yell at us about it on Sunday. We're not just once in a while flipping through it, but we're taking what we're reading and we're having a conversation with somebody about it so it can develop something inside of us. The Word of God gets into us. And starts to produce something. If we really want to be fruitful, we don't want to just throw the seed in there. We don't want to just hear it once and hope something happens. No, we want to foster that thing. We want to make sure it gets watered. We want to make sure it gets fertilized. We want to make sure it's in the right place in the sun so that it grows. All that. That's, that's not just hearing it. It's reading it. It's researching it. It's discussing it with other people so that we get a full understanding and the fullness of what God has for us in that. We want to research it. You search the Scriptures, John chapter 5, verse 39. You search the Scriptures. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. That's not to imply. That's not entirely true. And it is they that bear witness about me. What were they doing? They were searching the Scriptures. They were looking, and they weren't just looking, they were looking intently, like we see in James chapter 1. Not just kind of glancing, like in the mirror. You're looking, and, and more than just reading, you're digging. i got to find meaning. i got to talk to people about this. How do I understand this passage? How do I get this into my life? How do I build my life on the Word? I've got to do some research. I've got to be digging into the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 17, there's a great story they had been in uh, the town of Thessalonica, which was a city in uh, Greece. And after a while, they got kicked out of town. And they go to the next town. They go to a small town called Berea. And in Berea, Luke records this story. Now, these Jews, because they would go to the Jews first when they came to a, to a town. They would go to the Jews first. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness and examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. We see a number of elements in this passage. They received it. There's that word, that, that dekomai, that, that welcoming sort of attitude, and they're eager about it, and they're examining it, and they're doing it every day. They're wanting to know if what's being said to them is actually in the word of God. And so they go digging and they're researching. You know, some of these translations, and maybe some of yours would say that uh, they were more noble character, noble-minded. The living says open-minded. There's this idea of a, of a thoughtfulness about their nobility that comes into the translation of this. They were noble. And I think that's what we need to recognize that the Bereans are an example to us. Go to church on Sunday to hear somebody talk about something. It's not just a, just a tradition. This is something where we are coming together to hear something that should change our lives. And 
cause us to take action and to grow something fruitful in us and transform us. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Psalm 119, verse 47, the psalmist talking about delighting in. It's not just, eh, I'm going to read my word today. Eh, I'm going to do a little research because JR said that's a good idea. It's like, no, there's a delighting in this that we can enjoy as we grow. Fourth point, wanting to build the li- our lives on the word of God, we need to review and remember it. Review and remember it. James 1.25, he talks about not forgetting, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. We don't want to forget what's said to us, so we want to be reviewing, remembering, bringing things to mind. One of the things we're doing in the 40 days in the Word is we're, there will be some memory verses, hopefully pretty easy ones. <laughs> not Jesus wept, like I shared with you last time, a little more difficult than that. But why? It's very important to memorize Scripture because here's the thing. You encounter a situation or a circumstance where you're instantly desperate for the Word of God. You're not going to sit there and go, what did JR say that one Sunday back in uh, October? No. Something that God is just, that you've memorized Scripture, you know what it says. You know where to find it. You're constantly reviewing and going back to and processing. When I, when I run across a Scripture that really speaks to me personally, uh, I will do things like, I've got one right now posted on my bulletin board, and you've heard me use it several times, and it's come up quite a bit in my prayers for others. And I think God does that. He has this memorized scripture because it's powerful to use in a moment. And that, that passage is, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you, Right? I ran across that passage in Isaiah. I don't remember the address. I've always been terrible about remembering the addresses. We, 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 I ran across that scripture. I'm like, this speaks to me. I need to hang on to this. When I want to lose my peace and, and get caught up in the circumstances and the chaos and the frustration, I remind myself, you, God, keep me in perfect peace because my mind is fixed on you, because you're the one I trust in all of this stuff. You see, we want to remember Scripture. We want to remember, we, we don't necessarily always have everything in memory verses, but we remember areas and passages and themes, and we can go there and research them quickly rather than just wondering when we haven't remembered or reviewed. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, Joshua 1.8, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We want to be built on the rock? We need to be meditating on it. It needs to be in our mouths. It needs to be in our minds. What does it mean to meditate? It's to focus and think about. Not the new age thing where you contemplate the belly button hair that you have. We're talking about actually focusing intently on something and and pondering it and considering it. We're meditating. We're thinking about it. We're focusing on it. We're thinking on the Word of God all of the time. What is God's heart? What has He said? What has He spoken? I will lift up my hands toward your commandments. 
which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. What are his statutes? What has he said? What has he spoken? How has he instructed us? Am I taking the time to really stop and think about that? I mean, I use that same verse as an example. You know, I'll sit there and think about you keep him in perfect peace. Oh, I love that picture. I love thinking about that. It's such a great picture. Whose mind is fixed on you? Oh, yeah, I need to fix my mind on Jesus because I trust in you. Yes, I do trust in you. I don't need to lose my peace over these situations. And see, we're meditating on it. We're ruminating it. We're thinking it. We're remembering it. We're reviewing it. We're not as one who forgets, but we recall and we remember because we're thinking about it all of the time. We need to remember it with our mind. And possibly, I don't know that anyone is more important than the other here, but this is very key to what James is talking about in this particular passage of Scripture. We need to respond to the Word of God. When God instructs us in something, do something about it. It's not there just to fill your head with interesting information so that you, you know, are an interesting person to talk to at a party. It is there that you would take action that you would adjust course, that you would do something with it. Respond to the Word of God. Verse 23 says, like, But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Someone who does. Be doers of the Word, verse 22, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So he's really challenging us. Don't just hear it, do it. Take action on it. You know, we think back to Matthew chapter 7 and the story that we began with at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, again, verses 24 through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine, which we're doing all the time, we're doing it right now, we're hearing the word, but Jesus then challenges us to and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want to be like a wise man. I want my house to stand when difficulty comes. I want my relationships to be able to hold together when the storms of life are pounding on my walls. I want to be able to withstand that hurricane that we hear so much about these days. But the, hur- the, the storms of life against the house, which is my life, my faith, my family, my relationships. I want them on the rock. I don't want it to fall with a great crash, as he says, of the house that's built on the sand. Okay, I want to conclude with this. I'll make this brief. You know, in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? What is the sword? What is the weapon of the Spirit? It's the Word. It's the Word of God. How do we deal with life circumstances, both spiritually in a warfare sense or just circumstantially in life? We've got that sword in our hands. But here's the thing. If that's the Word of God and you're only hearing the Word of God, you're not reading it, you're not remembering it, you're not researching it, you're not responding to it, then it's like holding on to the sword with just one aspect. And you ain't going to hold on to it very long when all you do is hear it and nothing else. And then if you do the second thing, if you're reading it, you're going to have a little better grip. It's like hanging on the edge of a cliff. 
and, and you're depending on the Word of God, but you're only doing one little thing about it. You're not going to hang on very long. The storm's going to knock you down. Or you're not going to be able to hold on to that weapon with very much confidence or grip. You've got to be doing all these things that the Scripture instructs us to, to receive it, to read it, to research it, to review or remember it, and then respond to it. And in all those things, you will keep a solid grip on the Word of God to do what you need to do in life, to stand and to be sustained and to be fruitful in life. Would you stand, please? How do we build our lives on the Word? We've got to start by engaging with the Word like this in all of these things. Engage with the Word of God. Engage with the Word of God. And we're going to be doing that in our small groups and all of our messages over the next 40 days. I'm excited to see uh, what kind of results we have with these groups. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us so much good instruction. Lord, that your Word is life-giving. God, I pray that your word would be sown into each one of our hearts, even just hearing it today, even just hearing those scriptures, even just reading them on the board, that, God, there's two of them right there. It's been heard, it's been seen, and, God, I pray that it would begin to foster something in the hearts of people. God, that we would be a people of your word, that, our, that all of our views, our opinions, our theology, everything gets shaped by your word. God, that we go there and we say, what does God say? Does God really love me? Well, what does his word say? Does God really care? Does God really have eternal life? Does he really save? Is he really full of grace and mercy while being just? What does his word say? Yes. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you bless each one today, Lord, with a hunger for your word in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.